Welcome to Professors at Work, a weekly program where we talk to AUB, American University of Beirut professors, about their research, what they're exploring, what they're finding, and why it matters to the rest of us in the world. I'm your host, Rami Khouri, from the Media Studies Program, and we're delighted to have as our guest this week Professor Rabia Mohtar, the Dean of the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences. Professor Mohtar, thank you for being with us. Thank you. We would love to hear from you about an exciting and, and rather broad new project that you've launched at the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences called WAFRA. And you tell us what that acronym means and what it is you're researching and why you chose to do it. Thank you, Rami. It's a pleasure to be here and communicate about my favorite subject, WAFRA. Uh, WAFRA is not only a FAFS initiative, it's a university-wide initiative. We're using a lot of our resources at FAFS to make sure that this is a, uh, a successful one. Just for the name, WAFRA in Arabic means abundance. It's about creating abundance of primary resources through synergy. We all know that the water, the energy, the food, the health are primary resources that everybody needs. And those resources are being threatened by several factors, are being threatened by population growth, are being threatened by the climate effect, they're being threatened by uh, the unsustainable consumption we have, and they're being threatened also by the inherent interlinkages that they have among each other. I'll talk about this in a, in a second. So because of these threats down the road, we're going to be looking at a gap in supplying these primary resources to, to population in Lebanon and the region is one of the hotspots in the world when it comes to water insecurity uh, down the road. The interlinkages that I talked about a little bit is about the, the water, for example, is a, a catalyst, uh, is a primary factor for producing food. So a lack of water because of climate will induce actually a not only a water crisis, it would also introduce and induce a food crisis. Uh, the same thing, uh, most of our energy generation uses water for cooling. So if you've got a, a uh, problem in water, uh, then it becomes also a, an issue with energy. The same thing goes with energy, is also used for food production, it's used for food transport. That's the interlinkages we're talking about. And you uh, need to evolve, and we have realized that evolution over the years, that we need to look at managing these resources as a bundle, not as a silo. So that's where the system of systems comes in, where we look at managing the whole primary resources system. And we believe, and we have evidence in earlier research, that through the synergy that exists between these resources, we create abundance. I'll give you some of these uh, issues. So if we could find a way, uh, a clean way to clean our water. So, th so what's the difference between a, uh, a polluted water and a clean water? It's the energy footprint. You could create a pure clean water from any water that's polluted if you invest the right energy to clean it. So the difference is in, the in, in that footprint. So if you could take that water that's polluted, use clean energy, to purify it and use it for agriculture at a competitive, this creates an out-of-the-box solution that builds on these interlinkages and wean one of the resource on the other. So one catastrophe in one or shortage in one or insecurity in one of these resources does not create an insecurity in the other resources. So the interlinkages is important, it's inherent. We're trying to use that interlinkage to understand these as a system level and create three layers of solution. 
that will help us in the future. One layer is technological. So, for example, in one of the Wafra projects that is hosted at the uh, AUB Research Farm at ERIC, we're looking at the food waste will be uh, used as pellets to feed the fish. The fish uh, will, will produce protein, but also it produces a nutrient-rich uh, water solution that will be used for producing uh, vegetables, and those vegetables are, or, are grown organically using a no, no pesticide, using organic or using biological predators for pest control. So you've got now a new system that wow. is interconnected, that uses very, very fraction, small fraction of the water, does not use any fertilizer because it uses the fish uh, excrete to, to, uh, to irrigate. I mean, this is not new. People have tried this many parts of the world. It's new for our part of the world, but what's new about it is looking at how can we scale this? How can we make this a scalable, both that can be successful economically? How can it replace or at least be part of that portfolio of our food supply for protein in the fish, for vegetables, in terms of fiber? And how can you scale it both in terms of financial suitability, but also at the national scale? That's, I'll just give you one example of what a Wafra system solution can provide for that abundance. So there's a technological, I'll go back to my three outcome of, of this and what, what, what it would be for the general public. The first is technological, and that was an example. There are many other examples mm -hmm. in terms of using big data and artificial intelligence and remote sensing to uh, reduce the water footprint for agriculture. I mean, we know that in our region, 80% of our fresh water goes into food production. What if I had a national goal to reduce it down to 50%, to 40%, to 30%? It uses precision, big data solution to reduce that water footprint for agriculture. What I do then is not only I'm reducing the water footprint, but I'm reducing the pumping cost, so the energy is less. So, mm -hmm. so those are the system-level solutions that based on technology. The second is based on policy. So this solution will induce policy changes that will allow the government or the public sector to really develop the right policies to improve these systems. The third is demonstration sites, uh, where we bring in farmers, where we bring in producers, where we bring in the, the private sector to see how this is done, educate them about these systems, how can they be implemented, and hopefully induce behavioral change. Behavioral change in the industry, behavioral change in actually consumers. We would like to use that knowledge to disseminate uh, to our stakeholders so that they can, they, they can change behavior. But most importantly, our stakeholders now as the science community. AUB is leading that. We are producing knowledge. We are publishing that knowledge that will, will actually uh, help not only Lebanon, but the dry land community at large. How can we cope with, with the water insecurity and how can we compensate for it uh, in using sustainable long-term solutions that are economical and that can be scaled to larger uh, scopes and scale. Well, that's an amazing array of important issues that you've just outlined, and I'm, and I'm sure there's many more, as you said. Um, in the current circumstances of Lebanon and much of the Middle East, or the Arab world at least, uh, we have uh, serious um, problems in governance and in economic uh, development, in equity, um, social justice, food, uh, this environment. There's many, many issues, and, and they all seem to be addressed in what you're saying. If you were to create these systems, which you're testing these systems, and then people were to adopt them, we could have a wonderland all across uh, the region where we're productive, we're environmentally careful, we're sustainable, we're profitable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, where is the real challenge to you as a researcher 
you and your colleagues, to take this systems approach, which you've outlined in one example, and actually have it adopted uh, by, you've mentioned the public sector and you mentioned the private sector, and both of those are often problematic in the modern history of the Arab world. Not always, but often. So how do you address those challenges of taking what you've generated, this incredible knowledge, and getting it applied? What are the bottlenecks for change? Bottlenecks for change is creating knowledge and demonstrating that knowledge. And, And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, some of the, we have nine projects under the Wafra initiative, all have components at the AUB research farm at ERIC. Uh, some are physical experiments that you see, hopefully will go together next time you visit. And in fact, all of our listeners, uh, you're invited, uh, you're welcome to come and see. So there are physical experiments that are being there, conducted that you can actually scale up. And, and the, the, the idea there is to demonstrate, one, the technological feasibility collecting data about the interlinkages of these systems and how can they be technologically sound and feasible. That's the first. The second uh, is the economic feasibility. Uh, The example, for example, I mentioned earlier, it may not be the first time has been tried, but we want to make sure we collect information about the economic feasibility. Uh, And then the third Uh, is to look at uh, some of the other uh, projects may not necessarily be having a a on the physical uh, presence. They would have surveys and connecting directly with uh, stakeholders to change their behavior. Example would be, we know that, and has been published, FAFs and many others have published, that the Mediterranean diet, in specific, is good for you, is good for the environment. And, And we know that, and we have evidence that Recently, there has been deviation from that Mediterranean diet. As a result, you look into non-communicable diseases, you look at uh, uh, issues with with, uh, uh, health issues related to our deviation from the traditional diet, and we want to know why, and we are actually promoting that people go back and adhere to that diet because it's good for their health. The second important thing about adherence to the Mediterranean diet is that it's good for the environment. We have evidence that Mediterranean diet production uses less of the footprint, whether it's land, it's, uh, whether it's water, whether it's energy, it uses less footprint than other diets. So adherence to that diet goes back to uh, promoting that science, promoting that to communities. So some of the projects actually look at the Mediterranean diet. Other look into uh, the sustainability of uh, the, the sheep and herder community. So there are wide range of projects that I mentioned. They're addressing the bottlenecks we talked about, the economic feasibility, the scalability of this project, and more importantly, are there policy changes that we must induce so that the, these uh, uh, projects can be scalable? So why they haven't been, been adopted? If we are publishing that, uh, in, in, in tier one journals that the, the Mediterranean diet is good for you, good for the environment. Why is it, why people are deviating from it? It takes in, uh, interventions at the, at, the, uh, at the grassroots level. Maybe there are some policies that needs to be implemented, put in place to protect these diets. Maybe there are technologies that we're missing. What we're trying to do is to address all of the above, the policy issues, address the technology issues, and also address the behavior and how people make decisions on, on their own livelihood and, and uh, what they eat and, and how, what they consume and, and how and what. Uh, uh, and those are useful 
uh, holistic solutions that we're looking at. So you must have in your team uh, professors who uh, teach and study nutrition, um, and they yes. must be doing household surveys. Do, do we know, do you know from your research why people are deviating from the Mediterranean diet? I, I think this is too early to tell. And I think there are, as I'm not a nutritionist, but we have in the team uh, people who are working on this. Uh, I will, will maybe will have uh, uh, those members of the team comment on it. My personal uh, agenda is what's the impact of the economic crisis we're living on that deviation? What's the impact of the current catastrophes, one after the other, that we're living on the, the deviation? Uh, the refugees issues, uh, the economic vulnerabilities that we have. But I would go back more importantly, and this is something that we talked about it earlier, is we don't have a, a mega planning to say, this is my food basket, that this is I need uh, my food basket, and how can I localize it? If the imported food today is much more expensive, if I'm going to import chickpea from, from abroad, and am I going to import it on, on a dollar, and my lira has seen a degradation, uh, I will have to question, do I eat uh, chickpea or I eat a cheaper substitute? Right. So the degradation of the lira may have an impact. Anyway, uh, I'm not here to talk about it because that's not, that's yeah. not my expertise. I'd like to look at this as a system level and see how are the socioeconomic implications impacting the, uh, the adherence to the diet, but also are we looking at, are we not seeing some system level solutions that could help sustain these communities in terms of their health, sustain the ecosystem, but more importantly, open the envelope for new discoveries that uh, AUB will not only be uh, bounded by our constraint within the country, but how can we learn uh, from WAFRA, from the technologies, from our enga engagement with the stakeholders that others can learn from? And I'm, I'm confident that uh, there's a lot of uh, outcome. So Lebanon, maybe more than other countries in the region, is at a possible potential turning point. We've gone through a very difficult uh, decade or two, culminating in the economic collapse and then the port explosion. And many people hope that at some point in the coming six months, there'll be a process of rebirth, a reform, um, a more efficient governance, um, national planning. Do you in your WAFRA project and with your colleagues in, 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 in FAFS and across AUB, do you see it as part of your research responsibility to actually explore how you can exploit or take advantage of this potential moment of change to introduce into the policymaking process these kinds of uh, new ideas which are win-win for everybody? It's a very good question. I, I think at the first phase of the WAFRA, uh, we, are, we just finished the first year. Uh, it's a two-year effort. Uh, I think the first phase is to really learn about these uh, systems, learn about how they are interconnected, and help us build a portfolio of solutions. I think that's the first phase. I, I would hope that as a community, we've got about 56 professors across AUB from all faculties working on these nine projects. They're actually by design, these are very focused projects, technological, social innovations, projects that help build a portfolio of the solutions. What you're mentioning is something that I hope that collectively as a group, we'll, we'll take on that challenge. I don't think this is a, a short-term uh, solution for us. You, you're, you're making actually a, a very appropriate and relevant uh, point by pushing us as a, as a science community to reach out to what can this research do 
to the national security when it comes to securing water, securing food, health, and water to our communities. The first phase of the project is to really look into these technologies and develop them, understand the interlinkages between the system so we can understand how, how the system works and promote these solutions that will eventually develop better policies for Uh, sustainability of the primary resources or develop behavioral changes that community uh, start looking at their their consumption behavior so that they can maybe do better choices. I think uh, collectively as a group, we would like to be relevant uh, to addressing the questions you, you, you mentioned. We're not there, but this is in the trajectory where the community at AUB working on these projects will eventually take on the bigger challenge Uh, scaling up their technologies so that they can meet that uh, uh, the challenge that you just mentioned. We have uh, 56 uh, professors, researchers at AUB from all faculties working together on these nine projects, uh, developing uh, these technologies, expanding the, bu the body of knowledge, but also have demonstration uh, site at ERIC will be available for other faculty, other scientists, uh, for uh, other stakeholders to come and visit and learn and exchange. But the, the goal is, in fact, make a dent on, on that national and regional challenges of providing for the primary resources of, of, the, of the population, build a more resilient community that allow us to, uh, to, to sustain all of these shocks that you just mentioned earlier. We're almost out of time. Uh, one uh, last question. Have you, from your research of the past year, revised or adjusted your plan and what are the specific next research issues you're going to look at in the coming year um, based on what you learned uh, in the past year? There are a lot of challenges that, uh, as you could see, we have been through a series of challenges. We have modified our, our approach, not me personally, but we have the scientists who are working on this project have revised their, their approach to be a bit more nimble about uh, achieving their outcome. But I think we're very focused, the, the team is very focused on trying to have deliverables that, that are sound, technically sound, that are economically sound, and we're all working together for the next phase. And that next phase is scaling up. I, I hope collectively we will work together to build a center for sustainability on, on these issues that build on what we have learned in the uh, last two years and scale up our, our effort to make more impact on the ground. And it sounds like, from what you're saying, that you're going beyond scientific research, which is what professors uh, and scholars do, into a process almost of social engineering, where you want society to change how it operates at the family level, at the business level, consumer level, government, policymaking level, engineering level. Uh, is this uh, something that... Ab absolutely. Uh, one of the goals of WAFRA beyond the science and uh, kind of uh, unlock the interlinkages between the water, energy, food and health system is to build, the, build uh, solutions so that we can have more resilient communities. And when we talk about resilient communities, we are talking about not only technological, but social change. And I think this is where science policy and social sciences meet. We have uh, in the, among the 56 scientists, several social scientists that are leading that effort and we are learning all together. And I hope that this journey continues despite all the challenges that we have been facing. That's amazing work. Professor Rabia Mohtar, the Dean of the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences at AUB, thank you for 
being with us and we will keep tracking what you do and talk to you again in the future, I'm Thank sure. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks to the audience for joining us. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Join us again next week for another episode of Professors at Work, where AUB scholars talk about their research, what they're discovering, and why it matters for the rest of us. Bye for now. <laughs>